Welcome back, fans. It's the MMA panel, episode number 13. And we're coming at you from Paul's Palace. And we're going to break down the next two cards for you. We have Darren Till versus Masvidal and also Thompson versus Pettis. Say hello to our fans, Paul. Woo, hello, everyone. We've got some crazy predictions, as always. I'm not sure if Aaron and I are going to agree yet. Uh, but we're about to find out because I believe that if you looked at the records, I'm choosing more rights than wrongs. Yeah, you are. Actually, I, we forgot to mention that on our last podcast. So, uh, Paolo currently is leading. <clears throat> uh, he has picked 19 victories and had nine losses out of everyone that he's picked this year. And I have picked 17 victories and 11 losses. So I'm only two behind. (laughs) I do sometimes pick with my heart and not my head. Uh, But that's what makes sport interesting because sometimes you get those ones right and it feels even better. It feels amazing. Uh, So, yeah. So moving on, we are going to break down the Darren Till, Jorge Masvidal uh, fights at the O2 Arena in England. It's uh, it's going to be a great card. It's going to be on at a random time for fans, probably like 3 in the morning, some shit like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, going first, we've got Jack Marshman heading off the main card. He's versing John Phillips. These blokes, like Marshman has a 2-3 and three record in the UFC. I've seen him fight before. He fights uh, very wildly. And John Phillips is the self-proclaimed white Mike Tyson. Uh, But he's 0-2 in the UFC. And I feel like a white Mike Tyson would have a better record than that in the UFC. Yeah, sounds like he's not going to wrestle him. He's also the Welsh wrecking machine. He's got more names than, I don't know, than a phone book. (laughs) So uh, that was a good dad joke. Yeah, so this is going to be a tough wild fight. They've probably put this fight on because these guys are going to throw down. This is a crowd fight. This is a fight for the fans. Yeah, get them revved up. Two blokes who not necessarily have the same technical prowess as the top of the top, but either way, it should be an interesting fight. I'll be uh, leaning with Marshman for this fight purely because he has a better UFC record. Uh, I'll go with Marshman. Um, yeah. I'm not really going to make too many predictions on that one because I actually don't know either yeah, fighter. It's but cool. it's a middleweight fight. Uh, it's probably going to end in some sort of KO because yeah. they're probably going to be big boys and actually throw down so well, yeah, why not why not better on a KO make, <laughs> make the crowd really revved up that's right and then moving on to the next fight Danny Roberts uh, he's 5-2 and two in the UFC and he is uh, fighting at welterweight against Claudio Silva who is 3-0 in the UFC so this is a classic striker versus grappler match uh, you got Roberts who's going to be a hometown favourite comes from England Solid stand-up, usually fights on European cards, versus Claudio Silva, BJJ Black Belt. He's going to look for the sub. I'm going to go for the upset here and pick Claudio Silva to take down the hometown favourite of Danny Roberts. Well, I think the crowd's going to really pull this one through. Danny Roberts for the victory. Danny Roberts. I don't think that Claudio's going to be able to get these um, successful takedowns, and I think Danny Roberts is going to pick him apart. Nice one. All right, we'll see who's right there. Then we move on to the number three fight, Nathaniel Woods 
uh, The Prospect. Oh. Uh, that's his nickname. What happens if you win the title? Fuck. I always think of that. It's like Man, the young assassin. That's mind blown right there. I know, it is. <laughs> Versus Jose Alberto Quinoze. Quinones. Quinones. I think it's Quinones. I'm trying my best. Hey, uh, let, let, let me have a look at it. It's very hard. Quinones. 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 Oh, Jose oh he's got a pair Quinones. of notches. Yes. yes. So, look, Quinones is, let's call him Jose so I don't have to put on a silly accent <laughs> that I can't pull off. Uh, not a silly accent, just an accent. Uh, four and one in the UFC. Uh, Nathaniel Woods is two and oh in the UFC. Look. You think this fight is most likely set up for Nathaniel Woods to continue to progress as a prospect? He's the hometown <laughs> fighter, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Nathaniel Woods. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Paul? Um, I'll be honest, fans. I haven't seen either fighter fight. Um, they both. I think seen... you might have seen Woods fight before, but Maybe. you might not recall his fights. He's, yeah. he's scrappy. He's got both his victories uh, with submission. I, look, I think it's both these fighters. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about them, so I'm just going to think it's going to be a three-round decision. Um, it can go either way. Yeah, you know, Fair depends enough. who wants some more on the night. Fair enough. We'll see how we go. Uh, I'm looking at their records, and I'm looking at their their reach. I'm looking at their height. It's all very very similar. So there's nothing to really pick apart. Uh, but then again, Wood doesn't have a 60% knockout uh, record. He's a um, tough man. Yeah, he's got his subs at 27%. His decisions are 13. But um, Mr. Jose, he's at 63% for decision. So I'm thinking he's probably going to go in there and try not to get knocked out and try to draw out the victory. I was trying to draw, draw out the decision, but it doesn't mean he's going to win. So I'm going to decide to go with Nathaniel Wood because he does have a higher carrier record. So... I feel that he'll get the decision anyway. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm that. sticking with Wood too, more so to the fact that he's the uh, hometown hero. I like to go for the hometown hero. I think it's good. Although uh, I think Jose has got a very good chance because the only person he's ever lost to was on the Ultimate Fighter finale. That's in the UFC. So, um, yeah, now moving on to one of the more juicy Ooh, fights. Yeah. Vulcan Ozdemir, the number sixth ranked, 205er versus the number 8th ranked 205er in Dominic Reyes. What are your thoughts on this fight, Paul? Well, um, I've said in another podcast, I'm actually a big fan of Dominic Reyes. I think he's got really crisp stand-up. I haven't seen the rest of his game, but he's an exciting fighter. Uh, I feel that he's very accurate. I think he's going to pick Vulcan apart. And I think it's going to be an exciting fight. I think it's going to end in a TKO. Not a cold knockout, but definitely a TKO. And I think Reyes gets the victory and moves on to 11-0. Mm. Uh, it's pretty impressive. He's got a 3.5-inch oh no, reach advantage in his legs. He's got a 2-inch reach advantage in his, his arms. And he's also 2 inches taller. So he just seems to be just that couple to just two. Two to three inches bigger, bigger everywhere. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure that as, a, as a man, he probably doesn't um, doesn't mind being a bit bigger. Yeah. And, um, Everyone he's gonna, loves a couple of extra inches. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's still going to make sense in this fight because it's probably going to be a stand-up war. Um, I think Ozdemir might have better wrestling. Um, but I've never seen mm. Dominic actually wrestle or do anything besides uh, stand-up fight. So I'm assuming he's probably working on his take-down take defense because he's not a wrestler. 
but we'll see how they go. Oh, I, th- um, I think you, I think you'd be. Um, it would be a big surprise if Ozdemir looks for the takedown here. They both seem to be stand-up fighters. Uh, Ozdemir, all his success in the UFC has come through his heavy hands. Uh, you can say pretty much similar with uh, with Reyes. Reyes seems to be a little bit more technical, uh, a bit more crisp. Uh, Reyes is four and zero in the UFC. Vulcan's three and two. His two losses though have come against <laughs> very good quality opponents. DC and Anthony Smith. Yeah, only yeah. only the best fighters. Yeah. All right. So we're going to find out whether Dominic Reyes fits in that category. I'm going to throw in a wild prediction here. I think yeah. Dominic Reyes is going to be he's going to be going to the body a bit. Mm, I'm not sure exactly why, but I feel that he's um, going to be more technical than Vulcan. And I think he needs to do something besides headhunt him. And I feel that he's got the, the right striking game to do so. And I, I feel that he's going to outpace him. So we'll see if well, all this comes so true. So what's the prediction? What? Reyes is going to win. Mm, I don't know if you'll knock TKO. him out. TKO, round three. Almost the end of the fight. Interesting. I'm going to say a similar prediction, except I'm going to call TKO for Reyes in round Ooh. two. Okay. I think he's going to weather the storm. Ozdemir is going to come out hard like he always does. Uh, he might even rock Reyes a little bit because he does have heavy hands. But I think Reyes uh, gets the victory. All right. Uh, and now the co-main event. Boom, boom. A juicy matchup by two of uh, European uh, Europeans. That's terrible. <laughs> two of Europe's uh, premier welterweight fighters. Uh, we've got Leon Edwards who's another hometown hero, the number 10th ranked welterweight versus Gunnar Nelson fighting out of Conor McGregor's camp. We'll give Conor McGregor a little plug there. <laughs> um, and uh, he's the number 13th ranked welterweight. This, uh, this could be fight of the night. This is going to be a very interesting fight. We've got two guys who are very experienced in the UFC. Leon Edwards has an 8-2 record in the UFC, which is very good. Gunnar Nelson has an 8-3 record in the UFC. Uh, this is another striker versus grappler match. We've got you know Nelson with improved striking from his last fight when he busted up um, Oliveira. Oliveira. Gave him that nasty gash with the elbow. Man, but that he, was brutal. Yeah, but he yeah. rocked him to get him to that position. Uh, he's got that kind of uh, karate, in-and-out kind of fighting stance uses that to break the distance so that he can work into the grappling. And then you've got Leon Edwards, who uh, has that more traditional European style of, uh, of kickboxing and stand-up does, fighting. Yeah. So, whew, this is a really tricky... This is a toss of the coin for me. I'm leaning towards Edwards, and I think that's purely, once again, because he's the hometown fighter, and uh, I think that's going to help. I think that's going to make the difference. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of sense to saying uh, Leon Edwards. He does have a three and a half inch reach advantage on in his legs. Um, I'm not sure if he's a big kicker, but yeah, if he I, does, that would be a smart yeah, idea. He's he's more of a boxer, um, but look, he might not kick more in this fight because he might be scared of the takedowns. Uh, I think the the key to this uh, this fight for Leon Edwards is to uh, make sure that he's judging his range well. Uh, and using combinations by getting in and out. Well, so, we'll yeah, see. look, I, I think Gunny, which is Gunny. Uh, his nickname, I feel like he's going to get the victory. Ooh. Um, reason being, 
is because I betted against him last time uh, against Oliveira, and he fucked up Oliveira. Fair bad. enough. That's a good call. Um, but he's also his subs. If you look at his subs, he wins by subs 71% of the time. Mm. Uh, his average fight time is well, it's lower, but I feel that he's versed, maybe he's versed better quality opponents. Well, uh, they're both versed good quality opponents. He's ranked 13. I feel that he's definitely improved. And I think his game on the floor is going to really shine, and he's going to submit him. I think he's going to be another, another victim to the submission. Fair call. Yep. Well, so I'm going to I'll say predict that in. Oh. Also, going to predict that in round two. I'll go round two for that one. Round uh, two. I think he. I think Leon's going to make a few mistakes, and I think Gunner. Um, once again, I underestimated his also his his fighting style standing up. And I feel that he's definitely improved that once again. And I think he's going to go go for a top 10 opponent after this. Ooh. So, yeah, uh, Gunnar Nelson, prove me right. Do yourself well. <laughs> Get yourself in the top 10. And i got Edwards by decision. Yeah. All right. And now moving on to the main event. The big, right. the big gorilla. <laughs> Darren Till, the gorilla, versus Jorge Masvidal. And what's his little nickname there? What uh, does it yeah. say? I don't know who's my... Game bread. Game bread. <laughs> Intriguing. Not 100% sure what that means. Uh, I believe it means that he was bred for the game. Yeah. Which uh, is like, you know, like, like a horse's like okay. game bread sort so, of thing. Well, horses are very muscular, so maybe... I don't know. I don't know. He looks like anyway, he's got in this photo. Anyway, we've got Jorge Masvidal. He's an incredibly durable fighter. He's 9-6 and six in the UFC. You would call him a veteran... Uh, he's been around a long time. He's very fight savvy, well rounded, but I believe he is undersized for this division. That is my thoughts. Then you've got Darren Till, who I believe is oversized for this division. <laughs> he's five one and one in the UFC. He's, I believe I don't know if he had a draw or if he had a no contest. I can't remember, but either way, his losses come to the champ. Excellent range. He's a sniper on the feet, uh, but he has a limited ground game and that's where Masvidal gets a little bit of an open door into a victory into this fight yeah if he, he can manage to possibly hurt because anything can happen on the feet if he can hurt Till on the feet he can definitely finish this fight on the floor I don't think Masvidal has enough power to knock uh, Till onto his ass so you know what I'm going to say Till's going to win this, and I, I don't know if it would be a knockout, but it will definitely be a victory for, for Till. I don't see Masvidal winning. He's lost 13 fights in his life, and like John Jones said, if he was meant to be great, he'd be great already. And he's 34 years old with 13 losses under his belt. He's currently ranked, what is he ranked, uh, 11th? Yeah. I don't know. I don't really see the guy being a, the stallion. Uh, and getting up to that number one slot. I agree. I think he's a good fighter, but he's not a great fighter. I think Till, uh, I don't really think he's a great fighter, but he can potentially be molded into a top, well, he's a top five, but an, a really deserving, uh, I suppose, if he gets another title shot, a really deserving number one contender spot. Uh, but he'd need to evolve his game because he's going to get outclassed eventually with people like T. Wood and... Usman and Colby and other fighters that have a massive wrestling pedigree, mm. and he doesn't have that at all. Mm. He can he can be a defensive wrestler all he wants, uh, but I don't think that's going to be enough for him to be great. However, uh, the Gorilla is a good fighter. 
reactions, oh, timing, stance. He's got pretty pretty good, I suppose, uh, fight IQ. He showed that against Stephen Thompson. Uh, he showed very a lack of fight IQ against uh, T Wood. Yeah. But it's hard to look against. T- it's hard to look good against T Wood when you want to strike and when you're worried about getting hit. Uh, he didn't worry about getting hit in round two, and he got knocked on his ass yeah, very quickly. Yeah. I think it was in the first ten seconds. Definitely. So, anyway, he got put on the put on his on the ground, and from there, it was just a matter of uh, T were working his game on the floor and getting the submission. Uh, I don't feel like Masvidal th- throws those threats into the into the cage, um, and I don't feel that he'll he'll lose the fight. Uh, Darren Till's taking this out. Mm, I am going to agree with Paolo. Oh. I, look, we're both picking this, so it's it's virtually a lock. We've only picked one wrong where we both picked the same fight, and I can't even remember who that was. But... Dillashaw? I think, uh, it could have been. No, no, nah. no, no, someone else. Anyway, yeah, go Either on. Either way, so Darren Till... I think the UFC would like Darren Till to be their new Michael Bisping. And I think that's the reason he's getting this matchup, because apart from... Him being in England at the O2 Arena, headlining a card. I don't see why he should be fighting Masvidal. I feel like he is getting a little bit more of a softer approach in his development now. I think they're gonna—they're not looking to rush him as quickly. I think he's a big name in England. He's young. He's got—he's uh, got a great, um, great presence on the microphone. Uh, the fans love him. Uh, the company loves him. Uh, as far as I'm aware, he's a company man, similar to Bisping. So, yeah, I think he's getting this fight, and I think it's a mismatch, to be honest. So I think Till's going to win convincingly. I'm actually going to call for the decision because I think Masvidal's quite durable. So, he is. I remember so, he him against Damien Meyer. He did yeah. really well. Yeah, he did really well against Meyer. He's actually surprisingly very... Um, very technical fighter but I actually think he'll be great once they open up the 165 division <laughs> which is coming coming to a UFC near you <laughs> so um, yeah uh, so that look it's going to be, be a good, good fight it's going to yeah. be a good fight it's in on it's in a couple of days a couple of days yeah, yeah, yeah. a couple of days uh, I'm not sure it's tricky when they have the cards in Europe because sometimes they broadcast them at strange times mm. but I believe it'll be at like 3 in the morning possibly 7 in the morning either way look they don't have the biggest names on this card but one thing I do know about European people and especially in the United Kingdom they love to fight in front of their fans so I feel like this card will live up to uh, expectations because it is quite a rarity these days that a UFC card doesn't live up to expectations. Yeah. And with that, we will move on to our next card, which will be in a week's time. And that is headlined by Stephen Thompson and the new welterweight fighter, Anthony Pettis. And speaking of undersized welterweights, <laughs> Anthony Pettis, interesting choice. Let's start at the bottom of the card. We've got Macy Barber. The future, we've talked about her before because she's got an interesting name, The Future. Once again, if you get the title, I'm not sure how the future fits. Do you change it to the current? The present. The present, fair enough. So Macy Barber is actually a destroyer. The one fight that I did see her in, uh, she destroyed her opponent. But she's versing JJ Aldrich, who's 3-1 and one in the UFC. 
so has a little bit more experience. I'll be going for Barbara because she's the future. <laughs> and, uh, and that I've Aldridge, seen her destroy someone. Aldridge doesn't have, actually have a nickname or a yeah. fighter nickname or what do you want to call it. So, so the future yeah. sounds like the way to go. That's right. I don't remember seeing either of these girls fight. Uh, but going off, I suppose, what can I look at to pick apart their records? Uh, 50% chance of getting a KO. Yeah, she's vicious. That's uh, She's uh, had six fights. She's you know 6-0. Oh. Yeah, for... For the female and this this uh, weight category, weight, straw yeah. weight, to get to that type of uh, KO status, I'd, I'd I'd find it hard to bet against. Actually, Just you the know numbers. what? She had her fights in straw weight, and she's I think she's moved up to flyweight for this fight. Oh, okay, so I could be wrong, but Ooh. yeah, so but that could translate uh, still, well for her. Yeah. Could yeah. I'll, I'll stay with her. All right, so yeah. Barbara, it is. She looks like more of an athlete to me. So who knows? Lock it in. Yeah. So then moving on next, we have Lewis Pena who uh, has the nickname Violent Bob Ross. Uh, I don't understand it. Apparently he looks like someone named Bob Ross. I don't know who that is, but he's the violent version of them. Uh, and this is and versing Steven Peterson. Never heard of Steven Peterson, but apparently he's one and one in the UFC. So is Luis Pena. Luis Pena was on the Ultimate Fighter. He's got the Superman logo on his chest. So his name's Ocho. As his nickname. I don't know what a nacho is. What's I don't know. Nacho? I don't know. It sounds sounds uh, Mexican or something to me. Fair enough. Well, Stephen Peterson sounds very un-Mexican. So, <laughs> the actual name. So, look, I am going to go for Stephen Peterson. And unlike my usual analytical picks, I'm picking him because he has a Superman tattoo on his chest. Um, I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going for Violent Bob Ross. <laughs> Um, he reminds me, his hair and his beard and his look reminds me of the guy off, um, well, not the guy, the comic, uh, you know, Carnage, you know, the serial killer that, that gets the superpowers, Carnage? I have no idea. Well, that Maximum guy. Maximum Carnage? Yeah, Max, yeah that, yeah, that's the game, video oh, okay. game. I remember that's the, the old, game. Oh, no, but okay. it, obviously the character is oh, okay. Carnage, but he... The symbiote. Anyway, I'm going way off course. No, this is a good course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say he looks like Sideshow Bob. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the MMA version. Yeah, of maybe it. he should be Violent Sideshow Bob. <laughs> well, his name's Violent Bob Ross. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Yeah. But I'm going to go Penner on this one. Yeah. A Pena or Penner? Penner. I'm pretty sure it's Penner. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'm going to go Pena. He's the... I'm Italian. This guy's Italian. He's not Italian. This is Italy. Oh, does it? Oh, my apologies. <laughs> he's Italian. He's got orange hair. And and he's six foot three. Yeah, that's not necessarily good in the lightweight division. Yeah. Oh no, he's he's in featherweight as far as I'm aware. Oh, hang on. Yeah, I think he dropped to featherweight. Hang on, it's featherweight. Yeah, he's a featherweight. He's six, six foot. He's three. my height, and he's in featherweight. Yeah, that's sixty six kilos. Wow, that's a big weight. He'd be weight so cut, thin. He's, he doesn't look that trim, but yeah. he's obviously trim. Yeah. Or oh, so he's um. His reach advantage is seventy. Uh, so sorry, his his reach is seventy six against Peterson, which is seventy. You want to take that back now? You want to go for this guy? Nah, mate, yeah. I'm all in for he's, Peterson. He's got a, a whopping six inches bigger. Yeah, uh, his leg leg reach is. Sometimes it's the way you use those inches, <laughs> <laughs> and I That's think true. Peterson is going to use his inches. Oh very well. god, the motion, I'm smelling an insecurity here. The motion in the yeah. ocean. Yeah, yeah, he's got a five and one record. <laughs> He's Italian. He's um, he's a violent Bob Ross type of. Uh, that's you know, a lot of distinct things happening here. I you le- letting me know that there was not many good Italian fighters. No, no, we don't true. like to. And and 
He's not very good at actually getting knockouts, but he's superb at getting submissions. 80% of his victories have come for his submission. He's 80%. Only had, he's only had five victories. That Man, that's that's four, four out of five. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good record. So are you going to call for a submission on I'm this I'm calling fight? sub, and I'm going to go round one. And I am calling for Superman Peterson... <laughs> The Onke, Ocho. 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 I'm calling for Ocho. It sounds much more Italian than Violent Bob Ross. I'm calling for Ocho uh, to win by decision because I don't think either of these guys are going to finish each other. Do you know what? I think they might have mixed the names up. No. You don't think no, so? No, I definitely know Violent Bob Ross is Lewis Pena. Okay. I saw him on The Ultimate Fighter. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. It just seems like the yeah, same way around. Anyway. All right, so... We're moving on to fighters that we have a little bit more of an idea of now. Uh, we have uh, Jussier Formiga, who is a flyweight veteran with a record of 8-4 and four in the UFC, uh, versus Devison Figueredo. And if you listen to one of our previous podcasts, I have said that he is the scariest prospect in the flyweight division. And the reason being is he's 4-0 in the UFC at the moment, and he's stop- stopped three of those opponents by KO. So, and doing Pretty that good. in flyweight is impressive. Yeah. Anything at this sort of weight where you're getting KOs means that you're dangerous on the feet. Yeah, very dangerous. Um, and I'm thinking he's got, what does it say there? 50%. 53%. 53% of his fights end by KO. I think that's a pretty good uh, pretty good effort. And he's 15-0. and zero, So he's on a 15-fight win streak. He's yeah. never been defeated. Yeah. So, so it's a fairly, fairly... Um, Hard to bet against. Yeah, so <laughs> considering I'm going... the guy's versing has had zero KOs. Yeah, well, he's, he's, a, had he's more twenty-one percent subs and seventy-nine percent have come from decision. Formiga's so. a good fighter. He's fought a lot of top quality guys. Yeah. He's been, I'm pretty sure he's been in there with uh, DJ Benavides. He's been in there with all the best flyweight fighters. And he's also got a nickname named Deus da Grea. Yeah, so that's... Uh, what does that mean, Paul? I have no idea. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah, I don't uh, know. <laughs> uh, Paul's going to learn Portuguese before our next yeah, podcast. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's going to be hard for me to know that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, either way, he's looking staunch. He's looking strong. Yeah. Um, and I feel with that sort of record, he's, he's on a tear and he's probably going to be looking at a title shot if he keeps going the way he's going. He's hopefully ranked number four. Ke- well, hopefully they keep the division. Yeah. Um, and then he, if he gets this victory... And then uh, maybe another victory against Benavidez, something like that. I'd love to see him fight Cejudo. So uh, I mean, like he's got a he's got a perfect record. Yeah, he's an awesome. Well, like I said, he's a scary guy. You see him go in there, and he goes in there with violent intentions. Mm. And uh, and it's good to see those fighters, especially in the in the lighter divisions. It's good to see guys putting it out there and uh, and having the power in their hands. So, uh, yeah, Figueredo. I reckon he's going to get second round TKO. Um, I'm going to say, you know what? I think I'm going to go with the, the third round TKO. Ooh, third um, round TKO. I feel that he's going to need time because I don't think this guy's going to get tired very quickly. Nah. Because this guy likes going to decision. Mm. Uh, well, I don't think he likes it, but he seems to be the grinder yeah. Yeah. in the sense of that's the way he gets gets his fights done. Yeah. So I feel that it'll take a while to get that knockout, but yeah. I feel like he will end the fight. Fair and call. I, I feel that's going to be round three. Fair call. Yeah. All right. Uh, now we're going on to the... Uh... McDessie versus Jesus. Yeah. Nindo. 
Pinedo. Pinedo. Yeah. Or is it Jesus? But we're going to call it him Jesus. It would probably be Jesus, but we'll call him Jesus because we live in Australia and that's how we pronounce it when it's spelt Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so Jesus Pinedo, uh, he's 1 and 0 in the UFC and I know little to nothing about him. But I'm assuming he is a decent prospect. And he's going up against John McDessie, who's had 15 fights in the UFC. He's got a uh, 9-6 and six record in the UFC. So, look, McDessie, he's got very solid Taekwondo base. Uh, he's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the UFC. He's got really <laughs> good Taekwondo kicks. Uh, and his stand-up's quite, um, quite good as well. He's fighting Panito. I know nothing about Panito, so it's, uh, it's very hard to tell. Uh, what he brings to the table. Well, he's, a lot of his stats are not even on here. Yeah, so I'm going to say that... Look, I'm going to go for Panito just because I know nothing about him and I feel like he's he's fighting McDessie. You know, they're giving him a veteran, so they're either trying to build him up because McDessie has a name. He doesn't have a huge name, but he still has name value in the UFC. Uh, and he's also a good measuring stick of where you are in your career. So if you can't beat McDessie, well, you're definitely not getting in the top 15. So, um, yeah, I'm picking uh, Panito. Uh, I'm going to go Jesus. Baby Jesus for me. Um, because it looks like he has uh, pretty good all-around skills. He has some by... Well, he has 44% by TKO, KO. 25% uh, on submission. And he's gone to the decision. So it shows that he, he's able to go the rounds, but it also shows that he has different skill sets. Um, he's from Peru. Well, I don't think there's many Peruvian fighters, is there? Peruvian. Peruvian. Did I say Peruvian? Yeah, yeah sorry. Peruvian fighters. Uh, similar record. And it's, yeah, I mean, they're putting him in here because they, they want him to get the victory. That's my... That's my take on it. Fair call. Yeah, um, I kind of uh, I feel like they're trying to they're trying to build him up. Yeah. So yeah, I think um, let's see how Jesus goes. And I, I'm El Mudo Mudo. Yeah, we'll see how he, he does it against the bull. I reckon he'll get the decision. Get Probably that decision. decision. Put that money on the decision, everyone. Yeah, decision. Uh, it'll be. 29, 28. 29, 28. Jesus. Good call. All right. And now we move on to what's probably the most fascinating fight uh, in this weight class. Or not in this weight class, on this card for myself. We have Curtis Razorblades versus Justin. Big Pretty. Big Pretty Willis. And uh, look, Justin Willis, he just fought... Uh, Mark Hunt on the Australian card. Uh, he uh, pretty much outclassed Mark Hunt in his last fight. Uh, and Curtis Blades, uh, well, he fought Ngannou and uh, got knocked out. So he needs to bounce back. Now, that was a contentious knockout. Could have been an early stoppage. Paul thinks so. I was going for Ngannou, so I think it was maybe early, but either way. <laughs> Uh, so look, this is a this is a fight for either Curtis to come back and say I'm back, I'm ready to fight those big boys again, or it's another stepping stone for Justin Willis, who does not necessarily have what would be considered an athletic physique, uh, to keep heading up the rankings because Justin Willis, believe it or not, is four and zero in the UFC. 
So he has had four victories and zero losses. <laughs> which is exactly what it means. Which is yeah. exactly what it means. But when you think about that in the heavyweight division, regardless on who you're versing, it is very hard to have a 4-0 and record. Uh, Curtis Blades, on the other hand, has five wins, two losses, and one no contest. Who's he lost against? Well, he's only lost against the best bowler. <laughs> just to throw that out there. He's only Not a lost... podcast that goes past without yeah, you saying that. <laughs> that's my catchphrase. If I had a name, if I was a fighter, I'd be Aaron. He only loses against the best Shipton. Um, so... What I would... Uh, look, I'm leaning towards Blades on this fight. I think he's fought higher-level competition. Well, he's definitely... I don't think he has. He's definitely fought higher-level competition. He showed that he can shut down um, heavy hitters. Uh, he's very hard to stop with the takedowns. You need to have one punch knockout power to beat him. Uh, so, And the only person who's ever beaten him is Francis Ngannou, who is by all accounts, the scariest and possibly the most dominant heavyweight fighter around at the moment, uh, outside of Daniel Cormier, because yeah. but he's not really fighting. Yeah. So um, what, are you, what are your thoughts, Paolo? Willis is going to be 4-1 and one by the end of this. Um, <laughs> he's not one. beating Blades. Uh, yeah. That's pretty simple. And the stats, he's, he's you know, once again, he's four better quality opponents. He's taller. Uh, I dare say stronger. Mm. His reach is longer. His leg reach is longer. His, well, his KO record is better. Yeah. Uh, he's probably going to get the victory on the floor uh, with probably ground and pound. Um, and with that, it's, it's probably going to be an easy night for him. I think it's going to be either round one uh, stoppage or round two. Um, oh. And he might even do his, his pattern and elbows on the floor and do the Ooh, razor thing. Razor so, elbows. Yeah. I, I feel that he'll get the... I think it'll be an easy night for him. I don't feel that this guy has uh, the potential to beat uh, a rising star like Curtis Blades. And he w- did have a setback with a Nagano. Fair enough. It was a contentious stop, like yeah. you're saying. Uh, I feel that he'll come in here, prove himself to be in the where he's at. And move up the rankings. Yeah, get um, another shot at a yeah. top five guy. Yeah, I think he yeah. needs. I think he needs this fight just to bounce back because it was. was this is what of, they should have done with Velasquez. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's what I'm that's, saying. He should have versed Willis. Yeah. yeah. So and then uh, from there he can probably verse someone like a Derek Lewis. He can verse someone like probably not uh, Stepe or maybe a, maybe a maybe even a Volkov. Volkov. No, he hasn't versed Stepe yet. Yeah. He was calling for the Stepe fight before he had the Engano fight. Yeah. So, yeah, or a Volkov. I yeah. go similar path to what Derek Lewis did. Yeah, and then yeah, I think um, if he gets those victories, he he'd be looking good by then. He'll be a year from now. Um, he, I'm assuming that's two more fights by the end of the year. So yeah, Who? I reckon he'll be looking the goods. I have, I have a lot of faith in Curtis Blades. I feel like he's an evolved fighter. Yeah, uh, he I definitely agree. needs to get better striking. But I, I feel that he's probably been working on that. He seems like a smart fighter. He's a young fighter. I don't think he's stuck in just a certain way of fighting. No, so I feel not. that if he's, if he wants to, con, you know, go against Francis Ngannou in a rematch eventually, um, he's going to need to make sure he moves his head a bit more and not get clipped. Mm. Uh, and that's the only way he's going to do that is evolve his game. Fair call. Yeah. Well, I'm going to actually throw a little bit of a spanner in the works, and I reckon Curtis Blades is going to pop his submission cherry and get <laughs> um, and get Justin Willis in a. Uh, Maybe in a rear naked choke. Uh, I feel like it'll be some sort of, uh, yeah. I reckon it might be an arm triangle. Yeah, arm triangle is always a possibility yeah. for the wrestlers because they like to control uh, 
control the bodies on the ground. So yeah, it should be a good fight. It'll be interesting. Maybe Willis will shock us all. And then moving on to the last fight that we're going to break down on this podcast, uh, Mr. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Anthony Showtime Pettis. They both have really good yeah. nicknames. But, be- yeah, but before you get into it, I really like seeing Stephen Thompson fight. Yeah, me too. He's, he's, he's never won the belt, the title, but he's such a good fighter. He's, he's coming in an era where T. Wood was on, on reigning champ. Uh, he's done some incredible things. He's, he's fighting is just his timing. He's never... I mean, he's an older guy too. He's probably yeah. close to like 38, he's 39. Thir- I think he's 36 or 37. I think he was a bit older. Anyway, the whole be. point is he's really, really good fighter. He just can't get that, that belt. He'd be a really good champ if he was just, just that little bit better. But mm. unfortunately... Yeah, uh, not so, not so much yet. But he's versing Showtime. I don't really rate Showtime that high. Um, a lot of people see him as a great fighter. I feel like he's one mark off the best. Mm. I think if think he's a good fighter, probably going to be a top five fighter, but definitely a top ten. But I don't feel like he's going to beat Wonderboy. Uh, Wonderboy is is just better. It's <laughs> a, a better striker. He's just a better striker. I don't think. Pettis can make him tired. I, I highly doubt it. Um, the reach advantage goes to Stephen Wonderboy. I feel like he's... Um, I don't know. I think I feel, I feel like his kicks are probably going to be just as good, if not better, than Pettis's. I don't think either of them are going to go to the ground. And I think it'll probably be a, a five-round war, actually. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. I don't think it'll get knocked out. I actually think Thompson will probably stop Pettis because I think Pettis is just going to get a little bit wild. And I also think his, Thompson's going to be distinctly bigger than Pettis. Ooh, that's a good point. Because Pettis fought at 145. He got smashed he by got, Ferguson. Yeah. No, no, no. 145, he got smashed by Holloway. Oh, Holloway. Yeah. yeah. He also got smashed by Ferguson at lightweight. Yeah. So, the, like, that's not a good way of leading up to a fight with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson who once again Aaron's catchphrase only loses against the best <laughs> it only loses against the best there's no doubting that as Woodley two fights to Woodley and to Darren Till alright and realistically Anthony Pettis should probably be fighting Jorge Masvidal in a couple of days and then they should have done a rematch with Thompson and Till no, you know, not up. a rematch. But apparently, but it would have been more even. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Like even wise, like because they both seem like mismatches to me. It's uh, no, I don't it, think Darren Till was Masvidal. I think that's a mismatch badly, and I think this is an even worse mismatch. Thompson's going to destroy. Well, I, I didn't really think. I like I said, I never rated Pettis that high. Yeah. I think everyone knows him from that flying kick off the cage against Benson. Oh, uh, but he's he's a good talent. But he's definitely not, and he's won. He's won the belt too. Yeah, he yeah. won a title. But I feel like he. Is he a, it was good timing. A, yeah, that's right. It, it was, was good timing. It's a circumstances title. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like a Michael Bisping title. Gee, he's and never. This guy Anthony's never coming on our podcast. No, nah, well, now. you you're more than welcome to come on and argue that point. I feel like you just got the right fight at the right time. His first fight in the UFC. Let's just break down Anthony Pettis' record for a second. Let's here. make him cry. He's no, going to no, be listening no, no. to this. He's going to well, start crying now. Well, let's put this into um, perspective. Stephen Thompson has a record of nine wins, three losses, which we've broken down against really top quality opposition. So T Wood? Uh, yeah, two to Till. T- oh, T Wood, Till, and he lost a fight to. Long time ago. Matt Brown. 
early oh, wow. in his career. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so one, I think that was either his first or second UFC fight. Yeah. Um, he's beaten people like Robert Whittaker. He's been in the cage with, um, with lots of high-quality uh, opponents. Anthony Pettis, who has also been in uh, the cage with a lot of high-quality opponents, has a record of 8-7. and seven. So he's got a 50-50 chance of winning this fight. A little bit better than 50-50 chance. Just going on his record. Now, I'm, I don't know if he's ever fought at welterweight before, but it seems like a guy who's spent his whole career at welterweight, like looking at his record just there, in his last nine fights, he's lost six. I don't know if that's the caliber of fighter to beat someone who is like Stephen Thompson. He beat Chiesa because yeah. Chiesa was at the worst weight cut he'd ever been at. Yeah. He he um, lost against Desmond Poirier, but a lot of people have. He won against Jim Miller, but Jim Miller's not that good. Um, and he won against Charles Oliveira, which yeah. is a good, a decent victory. Yeah, but that was, that was three years ago. Yeah. He lost against Edson Barboza, Eddie Alvarez, um, RDA, and he's been, yeah, okay, he's been, and that was back in 2014 when he actually had a few, he strung a few victories together, like Jeremy Stevens, Lozon, Cerrone, Benson Henson, and uh, Gilbert Melendez. Yeah, so he That's had a good some, run. Yeah, that's a really that good run. That was his prime. Yeah. So, but that started, his run was from 2011 to 2014. Yeah. And in that time, from like the three years, he only fought one, two, three, he only fought five times. Yeah. In three years. So... That's not that good in the sense of what it, what it could be. You should be as a as a champion, someone in their prime. Man, you should be taking advantage of that minimum twice a year, minimum. Yeah. You, you unless if you really want to get the yeah unless you're injured and so forth, but you want to be fighting at least twice a year for the money, for the for the fame, for your streak, yeah, for, for your, your legacy, as well. for your fans, and to make sure you take advantage of using your prime. While you have it, mm. because you never know when that's going to go away. When yeah. if you ever get injured, like a where personal cruise. things come up, yeah, exactly. You don't know that. But anyway, I'm going off and just saying what I want to say. But at the same time, there's a lot of lot of losses since mm. 2015. Like you said, he's lost more than he's won. Yeah, so he's lost twice as many as he's won. Yeah, he's only won three. And, and yeah, and he's lost six. Yeah, so that's not good. Yeah. And the thing that has always left an imprint in my brain about Anthony Pettis, I do believe he's a world class striker. I don't think his hands are as good as his feet. Um, obviously, that's because of his uh, Taekwondo heavy style. But and he's also very flashy. But I do think he's definitely capable of hurting people. Uh, because anyone who has those kinds of kicks can definitely do damage. But when he first came over to the UFC and he lost to Clay Guida, that is stuck, that's imprinted in my brain. And there's no disrespect to Clay Guida, but... It was a decision. It was, yeah, but he got, he got dominated in that fight, like, positional-wise. Yeah, he did. He didn't get to... Like, he was I actually... He I was watching it. Yeah, he was throwing up a lot of different types of submission attempts, and I think that's really good. But I, I remember hearing this interesting thing uh, that Joe Rogan said a little while ago, saying that they shouldn't even have stand-ups in, uh, in MMA. And I kind of agree to that, because if someone can hold you down and neutralise all your weapons, even if they're doing nothing, they are still controlling you. And I kind of think that that's a valid point because if you're at such a level 
of whatever you are, um, whether it be wrestler or Brazilian jiu-jitsu or any sort of uh, a judoka, whatever, if you're at that level where you can control another person to the point where you can hold them on the ground and make them useless, you're winning that fight. Um, I know it's not what the fans want to see, but I kind of agree with that. Now, I, I do agree with refs sometimes coming in on the cage if two people are just lying on each other, if they're doing that for an extended period. But if you're vertically lying on each other, yeah, I think or horizontally... No, nah, I think still- it's different. I think it's different because the, if the cage wasn't there, you wouldn't be able to do it. But the floor is there. Like, the floor's always there. You have to fight on floor. We're not fighting in space. This yeah, is, I get that. You know what I mean? But if there was no... Like, you couldn't do that in the pride days in the ring. You no. can't. You can't lean against the ropes and just hold someone there and make it stagnant. Because you'll fall through the ropes. Like, mm. you'll bounce off. They'll push you out of the way, whatever. But you can actually do that against a cage. And I know that it's in a cage, so you should be able to use the environment. But realistically, and, um, and this is paraphrasing from things I've heard other MMA uh, experts talk about, not only my own ideas. But um, yeah, I think that is actually a good idea. When I heard that, it kind of clicked a little light bulb in my head. And I thought, you know what? That's actually a very good point. If you're good enough, like if you're Brock Lesnar and you can hold someone on the ground because you're so physically superior or whatever and they can't do a goddamn thing about it, I don't see why that person should have to stand up because it's not a stand-up fight, it's a fight. And that's a facet of the fighting. That's a good point. You know, So that kind of thing, I know they want to sell, it's still sports entertainment as well as being a sport, but as a pure fighting... um, you know, from an MMA point of view, wrestling is a part of MMA and a part of wrestling is to, to pin people. And there's no nothing in the rules that says you have to advance the action as far as I'm aware. Um, I think the ref says they have to advance the action because... I think they oh, say they, it. It's a stalemate. Yeah, but I don't necessarily... I don't know if that's actually a rule or not. We might have to look I into I remember that. in Pride, if you got... Um, if you were inactive on the feet, you were given a cards, yellow card. Yellow cards and red cards. Yeah. And I think that was a penalty against your purse. Yeah. There's if I remember per- correctly. Purse and points. Yeah. So the thing is, if you're, if you're going to, if, if they said, okay, there's no more stand-ups, and let's say you're a really top-notch wrestler and the other guy's a striker, um, so to speak, yeah. then you take that guy down and you just lie on top knowing that you'll win the rounds. Um doesn't that, doesn't that change the strategy? Doesn't that make people fight differently? Knowing that they can't be stood up and all they have to do is get themselves in a physical position where they can't overcome the inertia to get up, therefore they're, they're down, then they could just keep doing that. The whole but, point if they, is, but that's the whole point behind the, the argument that you no, shouldn't but, stand them up because their style beats your style. No, but it's not beating them. It's it's stalemating because the yeah, is, neither stale, one is neither one is winning. One's just in a position where uh, they're they're but, but controlling they're in the dominant position. Yeah, the dominant position, yeah. but nothing's happening. Yeah, nothing's happening in the sense of damage. So but... the only time something would happen was when one of them actually fell asleep. <laughs> like someone would get tired, where they would need to move. But the thing yeah, is, they can't wait that long. So it's either of you course. fucking do something, we'll stand you up, so we get more action. Because the thing is, could, how long could they lie in that position? Five hours? Know. Six hours? 
what time? Bring back no time limits, everyone. Yeah, exactly. So the whole point is, how long would you need to sit there for? Fucking hell. Some people mm. are like, man, I've got to get to work the next day. I can't be watching this UFC for the next bloody 12 hours. No, so the whole point enough. is, yeah, they need they need action. So if you, it's it's a encouragement to to make action happen. I yep. understand what you're saying yeah. from a from a pure fight point of view. You yeah, know, like a purist. Yes, they shouldn't have to. They shouldn't have to change the position, but they're trying to get the best out of the 15 minutes that they've got with their sure, fighters or sure. 25. So they need to make something happen. So if you're the type of fighter that would take the strategy of saying you don't want to lie on this fucker, mm. then they need to make sure they have contingency plans in place to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, but the extremely, uh, sorry, the extreme case of this going bad was probably the Usman versus T Wood fight, where it was happening. It's like, oh no, you didn't move for one and a half seconds. I'm going to stand you up. Yeah, that that's was bullshit. really bad refing. Yeah. Or yeah, it was bad riffing. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, um, who was it? Was it Joe Goddard? Who was um, it? No, Mark Goddard. Mark Goddard, not Joe Goddard. Yeah, not his yeah. brother Joe. Yeah, yeah. Who might not exist? <laughs> who just made yeah, Mark Goddard. Yeah, Goddard was setting him up all the time. So I don't yeah. know. I, hey, look, I, I didn't agree with that, but yeah. I understand that if they're really, really um, just inactive on the floor, uh, regardless of it's a half guard or uh, whatever it is, they should probably stand him up. Yeah, That's my view. Because there is a time limit, and you want something to happen. Otherwise, if if a round is like that, and no one, there's no damage, no no strikes thrown, no submissions gone for, or whatever, you could put it down to draw. Yeah, true. Even though there's a position being taken, but there was nothing else. It's a tricky one. Yeah, it's tricky. MMA what do you think, fans? What do you think? Yeah, let us know. Write in the comments for this uh, this podcast. So we're going to wrap this one up now. It's, uh, it's been lovely talking to you again. Make sure you share this with your friends. Let them know. And, uh, and we'll speak to you soon. Special podcast next episode. See you then. Take Bye. care. Bye.